Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily. I am Derek Terry, joined today by Kalen Harris on this uh, Monday afternoon where uh, Kalen here right before we got on about 20 minutes before um, some news came out that uh, UK running back coach John Settle will be replaced. And I think this is a move that some people saw coming. Um, We'll get to that here in a minute, but just to lead it in, uh, how's your Monday been? Well, I got a call from PNC Bank uh, an hour ago, and apparently somebody tried to buy some stuff from Saks Fifth Avenue for about six hundred bucks. So, wasn't me from my card. So they, I'm glad they called me and got all that squared away. So, yeah, been a great Monday, man. What about you? Yeah, I've been good. Getting back into the group, you know how it is. Uh, had a had a good long break. I want to give a shout out real quick before we dive into some UK stuff to the. Uh, Ma High School alma mater, the Corbin Redhounds, who will be playing for a state championship. Uh, if you live in Kentucky, if you like high school football, I, I don't know much about the other state championship games that will be taking place this weekend. I doubt there are many more with uh, juicier storylines in this 4A game because Corbin, uh, which I want to give a shout out to the fact that Kalen, they have won a school record 14 games this year. So win or lose on Friday night, a great season. They had a, an insane shutout streak during the year. One of the best high school football games I've seen took place against Franklin County on Friday night. Just uh, really excited. But Corbin will be playing Boyle County, who uh, I'm a fan of Justin Haddix, who spent a few years at Corbin. I feel like kind of revived the Corbin football program. Um, so I think he did a, a great job while he was here. But he's back at Boyle County, and I believe they're trying to win their third straight state title. So for Friday night, I'll be uh, hoping Haddix is uh, on the losing end of one. He took us to two state title games, came up a little bit short. But um, anyway, I wanted to take a minute to to shout out the Red Hounds. But, Kalen, we hop on here today. The regular season is now over. Kentucky was a 26-13 to winner over Louisville on Saturday, a game that you and I both felt good about. And I think I fall in line with what Mark Stoop said. I think he might have said it was a relief in his postgame press conference. That's how I felt about it. How did you yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's the perfect description. I mean, you know, I, <laughs> you knew we weren't going to score a bunch of points. You know, we just knew that going in. So I felt like, you know, one of those 50 to 14 victories is probably off the table. I just didn't want to lose the game at the end of the day. So yeah, relief. I think that kind of sums it up perfectly. I felt pretty early. I felt like, okay, I, this is we're going to win this game again. I mean, it, it just seemed like that from a pretty early stage in the game. Uh, I will say, again, the red zone issues, not getting touchdowns, uh, scared me a little bit. It was 13 to nothing. It should have been a lot worse than that. They go down and score. It's a one-score game, and we've dominated the half. And so I thought, well, I don't like this much. But, yeah, I, I didn't didn't have much doubt once – once kickoff happened really at that, at that point. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, when JJ forced that fumble, you know, it kind of felt like that could have been the ball game right there. Uh, he <laughs> tripped over the five yard line or whatever. And Hey, I mean, an issue that we've seen all season, the red zone issues, I mean, they can't punch it in at the settle for three and shout out to Matt Ruffalo who won MVP of the governor's cup. They're yeah. happy for that guy. The whole operation has been bad this season. It wasn't just Matt. I mean, he had missed a few kicks that were clean, but that's going to happen. I mean, you can't expect perfection, especially from a college kicker. Um, But he made all four field goals. And, you know, what I would say in situations like that, whenever you fail to kind of punch it in the way Kentucky had in a few instances where maybe you could have put it out of hand earlier, the vibes in the stadium and probably on the sideline can get really bad if you miss those kicks. So um, making those, you know, kind of, kept putting pressure on Louisville and, and once Trevin Wallace came in uh made the big interception there in the second half and set up the Barry on Brown touchdown to go 23-7 that was pretty much all she wrote so I mean I found it interesting that uh this was another year that Kentucky was better I, I don't feel like there's been a ton of outrage uh from the Louisville fan base which is kind of funny because it seemed like they were way more mad last year whenever they yeah. lost a better Kentucky team so I don't know if it's one of those deals where uh the final score was not all that bad, but at the end of the day, um, one topic I wanted to bring up in this rivalry before we move on to some other big picture stuff. Um, Mark Stoops is now five and four, right? Against Louisville. So yeah, I guess so, yeah. in a pretty big hole and now at five and four, he is 
presiding at this point over the most dominant stretch on the Kentucky side. Actually, I think for for either side in this rivalry, four straight wins of double digits. Um, He, outside of one year, 2017, uh, when Louisville with Lamar Jackson came in here and just crushed him. That's really been the only time, even when Kentucky had huge talent deficiencies in that series, they kind of always showed up ready to play and kind of made it a game a few years where maybe they shouldn't have. Um, And then kind of this dominance that he's had the last four wins, I I think – not that Kentucky and Louisville is on the same level as, as Michigan and Ohio State, but you see what Ryan Day is going through right now where, like, the only games he basically loses yeah. the last two seasons has been to Michigan, and, like, they're ready to run him out of there. So I think even though this is a much lesser scale, I think you have to give a lot of credit to Stoops that even in a tough year, he's kind of kept his thumb still down on Louisville, and this series has been completely dominated by him, and I think he can earn a lot of – uh a lot of goodwill. I mean, he's built it up anyway over his decade here, but this dominance that they've had over what a lot of people would say is Kentucky's biggest rival, I think, uh, is just another another good thing, I think, for him going into the offseason. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it, you, for me, and I may have said it on here before, I think I probably did. Um, I know it was the talk at our tailgate, you know, th- it was a must win. And you hate to say must wins, but the program wasn't going to shut down. We weren't going to quit playing football if we lost, but we needed that win. The fan base needed the win. The coaching staff needed the win. Those players needed the win. Uh, the athletic department, the NIL needed the win. I mean, you can go across the board. Um, here's a perfect little story for you. True story. Guy sitting in front of me, sitting in front of me at the game. Uh, you know, we're going back and forth, having a good time. Kentucky fan. Like, he's a great dude. Uh, I just know him from from the stands, sitting in the stands. Uh, I told him, I said, have you jumped in on the NIL yet? And he said, no. And I said, why? You know, I was just giving him a hard time. And he said, man, after the Vanderbilt game, I don't know. And I said, if they win this one, you've got to do it. And he said, all right, man, if they win this, I'll do it. So we kept talking about it throughout the game. Fourth quarter, when we knew the game was pretty much over, I sent him the link to the (laughs) Kentucky 15 during the game and uh yeah he couldn't get much signal out but then he texted me after the game and said and said I'm a man of my word and he signed up for the NIL so just a small example but that's kind of how a lot of people were that that Vandy game was really deflating for a lot of people after seeing where we were early in the year ranked 7th without Chris Rodriguez with offensive line issues with Levis not really being you know getting off the ground we just kept thinking, man, all that's going to improve. There's so much there to make this a really, really good offense, which would make it a really, really good team because the defense was solid. And it just never happened. Um, and not only did it not happen, we lost to South Carolina. We lost to Vanderbilt. So the, I don't think you can understate how big that was just for morale purposes, getting that win over Louisville Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, we'll say that's a good story there, too. Uh Moving on, I think, I mean, is there anything else you want to add about Louisville? I, I, I just think it was, uh, and I really hate to be that way because I think it should be celebrated as a as a big win. I mean, you beat your rival, and in college football, it always matters. But I really do think kind of once they lost to Vanderbilt, my mind, because they had the game, like you knew they were probably going to, it was going to take just a, a, an, an incredible effort that we hadn't seen this season from Kentucky to, to beat Georgia. And it felt like they were still better than Louisville, and I think it played out that way. So my mind has kind of been on – What's going to happen with the coaching staff? What's going to happen with the roster? You know, the portal opens a week from today, December 5th. Yeah. Um, so we mentioned Settle. Let's start with him because we mentioned him at the top. He uh, has officially been let go. That was reported by, uh, I believe, BBN Tonight was the first to report that. So that's one spot that's open. And if you're someone who, you know, really kind of keeps up with Kentucky football, the ins and outs, I think once you saw this season – how things went downhill for the offense settle in my mind was always going to be the, probably the the easiest decision to make if you were going to be making an offensive coordinator change because his contract is out uh, in 2000 in June, 2023. So basically the way it works is like, you know, he's out after this season. So Stoops will be moving immediately to fill this position. And it sounds like he will want to officially name a special teams coordinator with this move. Um, 
Kalen, I guess my thoughts on John Settle. I mean, he he was here for two years. It was a short stint. He had a good resume when he came. He to just school. wasn't a recruiter, man. When it comes down to it, and, yeah. And on a staff, and that's probably the big point we need to get to, like right away. I don't know necessarily what will happen with the other coaches uh, on this staff, but I feel like the total the total picture, there's just nowhere near enough juice, and. No. You know, you're running back coach. We can debate that the caliber of player that Eddie Graham brought in. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, he had a few guys who hit, but he also had a lot of guys who, uh, quite frankly, probably weren't good enough to play in the SEC. But the dude got kids here. I mean, he he had volume and he recruited, and I think he worked hard at it. Settle, I couldn't tell you really anybody that uh, I think no. some of these guys here in 2023, but really kind of a non-factor. Uh, his room was fine. I mean, Rodriguez had a good season both years. I think McLean uh, showed improvement. Honestly. Yeah. So, like, I think on the field, he did fine. I wonder, though, Kalen, is this going to be? I think it kind of has to be the first step of many. And I think this was probably the most obvious move to make right now. Yeah. I, 100%. It comes down to, like you said, two things, in my opinion. He, well, I'll say this he sounds like a great, great guy. From all accounts I've I've heard from everybody, he, he's well liked as far as nobody doesn't get along with him. But you're right, there's no juice at all there. I mean, he's kind of a reserved, laid back guy. He hadn't made any waves in recruiting whatsoever. And I think at the end of the day, that's the big, big, big piece of this picture that Stoops was hit with having to make some changes on a whim last year, kind of late in the game and, and those things. So I think he acted faster than he wanted to. And guys he brought in haven't necessarily – aren't aren't or haven't been necessarily big recruiting guys either. So when you lose Sumrall, you lose Wolf, um, you lose Cohen, some of those, you know, Clink before that, that's a lot of recruiting juice that you're – that you that you lost – and then you've got guys like Settle who you brought in to be more of a coach than you did a recruiter. You kind of knew that. But now you look at it, who's expendable. And like you said, his contract is up. So they have to make a decision. Do they renew him anyway? Um, and he's a pretty much a non-recruiter. So it was an easy decision to make on a lot of fronts. Not Not based, kind of like you said, not based on his performance, but more based on the makeup of the staff and kind of what they need to do going forward to move the program ahead. Uh, and I think that's, you know, just part of the business, part of the job. Uh, I would imagine they had some good conversations and there probably weren't many hard feelings there. Yeah. I mean, um, a lot of these guys who have been career assistants like Settle, I mean, that's part of it. You know, you, you're staying at a place for a few years and then you're gone. Uh, I have no doubt that he'll likely land on his feet somewhere else. Um, this is, uh, I think, if you're unaware, because I mentioned Settle's contract being up, there are a few other coaches on the staff right now, and this is not me saying I expect these guys to be gone because I, I don't expect that all of them will be gone, but, you know, maybe a couple. But uh, Anwar Stewart on the defensive line is another guy who he signed a one-year extension, which I found I kind of found a little strange because he's been here a little while. And, and I guess in my mind I felt like if Stoops was – if both sides were really happy with how things were going, I kind of felt like they would have upped it to two years because that's pretty typical of an extension uh, that you would do it two years in advance. But he's he's out um, – or his contract, I mean, is up after this year. Um, Chris Collins, the DB coach, uh, he's the other guy whose contract is up. And I believe that's it um, on the staff for now. Those, those two, uh, Collins and Settle, that is – you know, you're mentioning having to replace some guys. They both came in prior to the 2021 season. Settle technically replaced Eddie Grant uh, as running backs coach. And then Steve Klingscale left. And that's who Chris Collins replaced. My opinions on Chris Collins, I feel like he is someone who – we could go into a whole big discussion on this. But I feel like <laughs> in general, I would like to see him back. I think – there are two types of assistants that we've seen, in my opinion, under Stoops. Like, you had the guys like John Summerall, Vince Marrow, going way back, Eric Wolford, who basically hit the ground running. You knew that they were going to be bona fide studs pretty much right away. 
Summerall flipped uh, Josiah Hayes from Ole Miss in his first year. Got Trevin Wallace the next year. Got Chris Lewis, who we'll talk about later. Um, Kobe Albert last year before he left. Like, you, you knew right away. Eric Wolford did a really good job, I thought, in this very short tenure here at Kentucky. And then I, I feel like Chris Collins might be on that Steve Plink scale uh, trend where – Plink was here for a few years. The, the DBs weren't all that great at that time. They were very young. You know, Mike Edwards, Darius West, uh, Westry, those guys were all very young. He wasn't really getting many recruits. And people might not admit it now. And, Kaylin, you probably remember this. Like, I remember people wanting him gone, replaced. And a couple of years in, he started lending kids from Detroit, a spot that Kentucky had not really recruited. Um, and that's and he became a very, very valuable assistant to Kentucky uh, in that way. And I think Collins is kind of on that path. So I'll be curious to see what Stoops decides to do with him. Um, in my opinion, he's probably worth uh, extending for at least a few more years. I think he's – you can correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't he the lead recruiter on Godfrey, Grant Godfrey, the linebacker? Yeah. yeah. Linebacker. So he's got something there. I think 24 will be a big year for him. But overall, it feels to me like if you're going to add the juice that you need on the recruiting trail, it will probably come from the positions that – technically aren't vacant yet so where do they go from here i don't know do you want to touch on the scangarello the n zero do we want to go down that path yet it's tough man i mean that, that, that's what everybody's talking about um i mean it's it's hard to look at the offensive line this season and not say oh my gosh something has to change big time now we're not in the we're not in the meeting rooms. We're not in, on the practice field all the time, and we don't get to see, you know, the actual instruction and things like that. So it's hard to be a a really fair judge, I think, especially of a guy like Yenzer. But man, that group was really really poor this year. And is it scheme or is it, you know, technique? Is it? I, I don't know. I mean, is he in over his head? Is he – there's a lot of different ways we can look at that, and I don't think we know the answer. Um, but I will say if part of the idea he – you know, with him being here is this style of offense and we decide we're going to go away from this style of offense, then how much, is, how much of a fit is he going to be anyway? Then you add on – the offensive line issues of this year and the fact that he, you know, he, he did get, he did get us in on a couple recruits this year and one is still committed um, in Keenum uh, offensive, you know, center basically. Uh, but he doesn't have a, a big recruiting history, things like that. So, I mean, it almost seems like it would be an easy decision if you change offensive coordinators to also change offensive line coaches. But I don't I, – I just don't know what they're going to do at the offensive line – or at the uh, offensive coordinator spot. I mean, nobody that you talk to that, like, usually knows things has a definitive answer. And so, for me, that – there's just a lot of question marks there. And I don't know – if I had to guess, I don't know that I could accurately put a number on it. I think I said when we were when we talked before, I was like 60-40 and people thought that was crazy that I was that it was that close, but I think now it's probably around 50-50 and I think that's a pretty fair estimate at this point. So I don't know. I think I want it to happen. I think I want to change. I I think I saw enough this year to not want to roll the dice to go in next year with the same system scheme, et cetera. But I don't know, man. I mean, that is tough. Three offense coordinators in three years, if you make that change, um, that's tough. I mean, and you've got to go find somebody that, uh, of, of high quality. Now South Carolina needs an offensive coordinator. Now Texas A&M needs an offensive coordinator. So, I mean, you're going to be battling other people for – for those guys. And is it going to be a good look that Kentucky doesn't have a quarterback right now? I mean, South Carolina's got a quarterback. Texas A&M's got a quarterback. 
they've got multiple quarterbacks, really. Um, Kentucky doesn't. So, I mean, yeah, you've got unbelievable skill position guys, but you had issues with the offensive line. So how – and with the style of play we've always run under Stoops, like how attractive is the offensive coordinator job for somebody? I, I just – Maybe when you factor all that in, it makes sense to run it back again if, you know, you believe that certain changes are going to happen. And, you know, we've seen him talk about, I think maybe in his last press conference or, I don't know, sometime recently he talked about, you know, the tempo being different in the college game and that we needed to improve on that. It just was too much to try to throw at these guys with everything else they've had thrown at them now. But in the offseason, that was something he was going to look hard at. So, I mean, it sounds like he's open to changing things. Um, I just think it's a tough call, man. I, I don't know. Where are you at on it? Uh, I mean, I find it hard to, to – I was pretty much all the way out after Vanderbilt. Um, still, still pretty much am. I would – I would think he's going to make a change. I think it's a hard sell, but there are a few factors that we don't know. We we don't really know what Stoops's market would be, I guess, in terms of who he could actually get. If, if I think if we had a better idea of that, we could maybe have a better formed opinion. We don't know that basically who could Rich bring in at quarterback. I think it's fair to say that the person won't be as good as Will Levis. In terms of their, I mean, certainly seems very unlikely that UK would bring in someone who will eventually be a, a first round pick, as we think uh, Levis will be. But hey, we didn't think that about Will either, did we? So, I mean, <laughs> who knows? Uh, we, we don't know. I don't know how much you listen to kind of the post game stuff. Um, I noticed this kind of middle of the season, I think it might have been the Mississippi State game. And I don't know if this is what Rich is going to fall back to or how much Stoops will even believe it. He's been putting it out there a little bit how young this offense is and you know he is right to an extent I think he might have said the other day there were like nine guys out there at one point who should all be back for the next season or maybe eight guys Um, well nine if you count horsey yeah okay so the only guys who wouldn't be there basically most likely will and maybe see our manning probably I guess is the other uh, who wouldn't be back maybe he maybe stoops can get behind that and say you know what this really was like because we had Will and Rodriguez, maybe it it clouded us to an extent with some of the other things that we knew could be issues. They were very young at receiver. They did virtually have five new offensive linemen, at least in terms of the positions that they were playing. But it's just the fact that it looks so bad. Like there was talent on this team, on, on this offense. And to be in a spot where I think they averaged what, like 14 points per game against SEC opponents. I mean, it was just I think it's a hard sell to get them back. What I've been interested in, though, is kind of the process. And maybe we got a little glimpse of it today with Settle being let go. But for if you're a head coach, if you're in Mark Stoops' shoes, like December, am I wrong? Is December, it might be the busiest month now in college football. Oh, it has to be, yeah. How much is going on? I mean, you have the coaching carousel. So you're trying to figure out your staff, which is obviously at a point where, you know, Stoops has a lot of decisions to make. But also the portal opens up next week. You have signing day. Bowl game. First. Do what? Bowl game. A bowl preparation. You might, well, this year you're probably going to be playing your bowl game in November, or I mean uh, in December. Yeah. So there's a ton going on. So I wonder if, if it stoops his mind. He's trying to figure out, like, if you're going to go through this thing kind of chronologically, like, the first deal is you need to be in a spot, I think, with your own roster where you have a great idea of who's going to be back, Who's going to transfer? You know, who are there guys around that we're going to need to work on to, to make sure they're back? And then you got to get to the to the end of this month or the middle, well, yeah, kind of the middle of the month where you have signing day. And I guess what I'm wondering, Kalen, is like, are you better served keeping the majority of your staff right now, even if you're not sure you're going to move on? Or are you going to be in a spot where you're trying to add guys from the portal? Plus, keep your recruiting class with like six full-time coaches if you decide to fire four. Yeah, like I think it's a a hard spot to be in, and I'm. It's this is so new that I'm not sure that I know what the right answer is. I'm not sure any of them know. I'm not sure the coaches know. I don't think Stoops knows. I mean, it is. It's it's wild right now, and 
I know that's something that the coaches have talked about is, you know, really trying to lock the calendar down better than it is right now because it is a free for all and it is like, I just it is. I couldn't imagine being in that position. And you're trying to still coach your team through all this. Imagine being uh a, a you know, a, a playoff team right now. Like that's crazy. You've got you've got so much going on. Like Kay McNamara from Michigan jumped into the portal today and uh you know, then they also got a huge commitment after their win. They've got signing. I mean, it, it's just, it's, and they're, you know, they're trying to, they're going to be in the playoffs and they're trying to prepare right now for the big 10 championship game. And uh, it's just, it's crazy. Like I could not imagine trying to navigate those waters and there's no precedent on how to do it because it's never been done. This is new for everybody. So it's just, it is wild right now. So I get it too. I was a little aggravated at first when I heard they may wait a little bit for some of these decisions, but they may not have a choice, man. I mean, I just, they got to plug holes, you know, while they can. So the ship doesn't sink. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and I do think, too, like, I, I could see an argument the other way. Like, you might have people, a Kentucky fan, who says, well, how how do you basically trust that kids are going to want to come play in this offense? Because I think if you're a rival recruiter to Kentucky, like, it's pretty easy this year. I mean, you had a projected potential top 10 pick who did not have a good year. I don't know if he was injured. I know Will battled some things. I get it. But the offense, I mean, throughout Stoops' tenure has not looked all that great. Uh, on the flip side, I mean, I think Kentucky has some things to sell. You have, well, I'm going to say four uh, receivers. I'm going to include the tight ends and Caddis and Dingle, plus Berrion and um, Dan Key. Dang. All these guys have minimum of two years left before they can go to the NFL. Uh, and not that all those guys will leave early, but um, – you you do have some things to sell. And I and I do think that if Stoops is at a point, and I think this was probably his first order of business in terms of how quick he would move on a potential firing of the OC or anyone else, is do you have all your guys on board that you really, really need to have here next year? And that would in my mind would be basically the four that I just said. Uh defensively there are some guys, but I don't think they impact, you know, that those decisions on the opposite side of the ball, obviously. But if you know Barion, who has reiterated many times that he's here to stay, if you know that these dudes are on board, um, I do think you can take your time to an extent. But I just think it's kind of hard to balance adding players because you know you have holes to fill for next season. Um, but the window is open for I think forty-five days, so you, so you could see some, you could see a, a situation where you hire a new coach and that coach is able to get you perhaps a player from his old school. I mean, I know it's kind of dirty in a way but i think we'd all be fools to think it won't happen um i don't know i'm excited to see how it plays out but in terms going back to the question like it would be hard to talk me into year two of rich gangarello but at the end of the day i think rich had a few things going against him but the results are the results and it was just not it was not good enough this year yeah that's where i am too i mean i I just don't feel like you can risk running it back with the way with as bad as things were overall. I mean, you know, you hate it because you hate to see the turnover and 
you know, continuity is big for a program, but you know, you're the risk is, you know, it's risk versus reward. I just like everything else. The reward is okay, this ended up being a nice pro style offense, you know, whatever. The risk is you literally set your program back. And we've already like kind of come to a screeching halt as far as uh, the trajectory. I don't think we've set ourselves back by any means. I mean, we've we got some good things going in our direction right now with youth and with the the collective that just got set up and things. I mean, there's some some reasons to be excited. Stoops' contract, things like that. But it's at a screeching come to a screeching halt now. I don't think you can afford to do anything that you don't feel very, very, very confident that's going to take you to the next level. And I just don't – I don't see how you could be confident in that. Let's get to uh, some player movement. Um, we mentioned that the portal officially opens December 5th, but there are some exceptions. I think I have this right. Any graduate student, so yeah, if you're actually graduate from the school, you can go in at any time and, and start – Basically, I mean, if you don't really know what the transfer portal means, it's that in terms of like legally, you're not supposed to be contacted by other schools until you get into the portal. Now, I know there's tampering, things like that that happens, but for graduate students who can enter your name right away, and, and for UK, it looks like Demarcus Harris, a junior wide receiver who, a junior redshirt, so he's been here for four years, like he's officially in the portal now. So schools can contact him right away, but two guys who, it looks like Chauncey Magwood actually came back out today and then said he for sure was transferring. But Chris Lewis, a second-year wide receiver um, at Alabama, also hinted yesterday on Twitter that he would be transferring as well. But you won't see those guys officially in until next week. Kalen, I think this says a few things. Um, looks like Demarcus Harris is in too now. He's officially in, yes. He, he's in as a graduate transfer, so he, I guess, is a – Officially, the first guy. Yeah. I don't believe Magwood is officially in and can't be until right. the other. The other thing, did I mention the coach? If your coach got fired, that's whenever. No. So those are kind of the exceptions. If you have a coach leave, like the guys from Cincinnati, since Pickle left, they're allowed to officially go into the portal. I believe I have that right. I could be wrong, but I think it's right. Um, but I'll tell you what I thought of Kalen whenever I saw Magwood and Lewis tweet this yesterday. It made me think of Stoops' press conference a few weeks ago. Where everybody was like all up in arms over potentially losing Barion or Deion Walker or Afari or all the good young guys on this team. And he talked about losing players that might like it at Kentucky and the coaches might like them as players, but in today's world, like they're probably just going to move on. I think Lewis and Magwood are great examples of yeah. that because I view both of those guys as legitimate power five players. But for whatever reason, in Magwood's case, he was passed up by the Kel Crowdis and also Rashawn Lewis uh, had been playing over him uh, here lately. I don't really know what caused that. Um, and then with Chris Lewis, I think it was pretty much as simple as Dane Key showed up and was like literally one of the best wide receivers in college football as a freshman or one of the best freshman college, uh, one of the best freshman wide receivers is what I'm trying to say. So his deal, I think is a little more cut and dry because you got to look at next year. Shamar Porter's probably coming in and might be able to compete with him from day one. So I get it on why these guys left, but there are several guys, I think, on this roster, and, and every roster across America, well, and, and more particularly the Power Five, like you're probably going to lose guys like that. I think it's going to be hard to really keep a lot of good depth moving forward because I have no doubt that Magwood, do I think he's a Power Five starter? Mm, maybe depending on where he is, but do I think he's a group of five starter? Yeah, I think so for sure. So all those kids kind of have to weigh, do I want to stay here, stay in the rotation, or do I want to go somewhere where I can play right away? And for as much talk that's been about NIL and transfers, I still feel like the majority of the guys who do leave are going to be the people in the situations like Lewis and Magwood. The guys who have always left for the same reasons for – Maybe you're homesick. Maybe you just have a better opportunity somewhere else. Maybe you're a coach left. I don't think it's going to be as much NIL kind of boogeyman stuff as what we've seen, although it will happen. I mean, it will for yeah. sure. But what do you think about those two guys deciding that they were going to pull three now with Harris, deciding he's going to leave as well? Yeah, I mean, if somebody asked me, 
you know, a week ago or a month ago, those would be three guys I would have, I would have had high on my list. Uh, and I like all three of those guys separately for different reasons. And they're guys you like to have a, as a part of your program. But yeah, in this day and age, it just, if you go somewhere and you can't play for a couple of years, you're probably going to go somewhere else. I mean, it's just the nature of the beast and you're trapped behind two guys that are definitely going to be here for two more years. <laughs> they're younger than you are. And at this point they're better than you are. So yeah, you almost don't have a decision. I, and I think to your point about the depth, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of freshman depth is, is what it's going to be. Like you're going to have guys that, you know, those perfect example, the DeMarcus Harris kind of guys, um, you're going to have those guys that are great depth on your team now that are going to go. So you're going to have to rely on an Anthony Brown or Shamar Porter or, you know, those kinds of guys for immediate depth, which is scary <laughs> at one, in one point, but you know, on the other hand, you're going to find out pretty quick, like, you know, you know, none of those guys are a finished product, but is it too big for them? You, and you're going to learn that pretty quick. Uh, so it's just, a, it's a whole different world, man. It's hard, so hard to even, you can't blame those guys, I guess, at the end of the day. Um, Magwood has had two stints here where he looked really good, like a future uh, stud in in this system, but then he just disappears for whatever reason. Um, Harris, I, I feel like he deserved probably more of an opportunity this year. But maybe there are things that we don't know. I mean, maybe, you know, I don't want to speculate anything, but we don't we don't see practice every day and things like that. So maybe, you know, maybe. And then Lewis was a guy we knew was raw coming in, but we loved his potential, you know. Like, even in spring ball, he did things, and you're like, oh, gosh, man, he could be really good. And I know early in the season they tried to throw some fades to him, some jump balls and some things like that so where he could kind of showcase his skill set. Um but he, he's a guy that the way college football used to be would probably end up – he would redshirt as a freshman. He would play sparingly like he did this year as a redshirt freshman. And then he probably would get to play a decent amount as a sophomore and would start as a junior and senior. But the patience is not there. And, you know, more power to these guys that, that want an opportunity somewhere. I think he's a – I think he's probably a power five player when it's all said and done. I mean, uh, you know. I'll be curious to see the market for those guys. For for Lewis and Magwood in particular, I feel like Magwood might be more of a – like I think both of them are instant G5 starters probably, depending on – Oh, that. for sure. And then, But I'm, I'm kind of with you on Lewis. Like he, he to me feels like the best football could be ahead of him. And then he – you know, he got hurt at Tennessee. I don't know how serious that injury was. I mean, it kept him out the rest of the year. But I don't know if it was something that's going to be lingering through spring or or what. But uh, selfishly, I mean, I think it would be cool to see those guys land with Troy. Uh, John Summerall recruited both of them. I, I thought did a great job recruiting those guys um, back in 2021. I don't, I don't know necessarily what the needs will be for Troy, and I don't know what – what Lewis will look for. I mean, that'll be interesting to see. And I think you'll see other guys like I went through the other day. I was just trying to like try to, I was just trying to figure out by looking at the roster, like, okay, who might it make sense to, to maybe look around next season? I mean, I think you would probably be astonished by how many guys you could look at and say, well, you know, it's hard to know for sure what their immediate future is at UK. And I'll tell you, Caitlin, I think a lot of that is just because of how good this freshman class is. Yeah, Before absolutely. You get into some potential transfer ads, and you know they're going to add some guys from the portal. There's just a lot of guys. I mean, or I don't think it's hyperbole to say that like Josh Caddis came in here and by the end of the season beat out four other guys who are much older than him. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was a straight up stud. Yeah, you know, you had some other guys, you know, Barryon and Dane, they were great, but they also in terms of the competition they had to face to get on the field, like wasn't quite as steep as a guy like Caddis, who you started hearing reports about back in, in fall camp about how good this kid was. And then, you know, Dion kind of the same way. A lot of the guys. Three most, yeah. The three most impressive guys to me were, 
at the end of the year. Now, Dane and Barry on run real, but I had high expectations for both those guys coming in. They performed above what I expected as a true freshman, for sure. But I didn't expect Dion Walker to do anything like what he did. I mean, he was he was our best defensive lineman, and I don't think you could even make a case for anybody else. Like, I don't even think – I mean, do you? There's not even a case to be made for another player, right? I think he's the – for as much talk as Barion's gotten, I thought, I thought in terms of, like, the importance of keeping him around, I thought Dion Walker's the most important player. For next yeah. year, we're just and, like that, walking around this earth. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's kind of a unicorn too, man. He and yeah. that's what people, you know, all year we kept seeing here and there, and I probably said it at one point too. Like, man, why don't you play him at nose? Why don't you play him at nose? He's just too athletic, honestly. Like you, he's too like you can play him there some, but he's a freak. I mean, he's really, really he's going to be like a. It will not surprise me at all if he's first team. Uh, if he's first team All SEC preseason next year, I mean, I'd be sh- pretty shocked if he's not. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I mean, you could make the I don't know the wide receiver. It's always tougher, but I mean, Stoops is right about just how impressed this freshman class was and how yeah. important it is to keep them because I, I really wish they could have done a better job kind of stacking. Yeah, 2023 class, and maybe it'll be better than what it looks on paper. There's always a chance. I, I have my doubts. Uh, but you look back at it, like now that we're at the conclusion of the regular season, like you look at how many guys made an impact from just the past few clubs, yeah. 2022 and the 2021, you know, we have Lewis and Magwood leaving and that's going to happen. There's probably going to be more guys from that class. I could probably go look at the commitment list right now and look at three guys that it might make sense for them to leave already. Yeah, You had Jordan Love at emerge. You had Jagger Burton start the whole season. Um, you had Khalil Saunders. Uh, Dinkins, all these guys who we didn't really know a ton about coming into this year, how they would fare. And I think all of them are guys you look at as definite rotation pieces at minimum and multiple starters. already. Yeah. So a really good job. I think those last two classes and, and there are guys, I'm not going to act like the whole 2023 class is bad. I think they have what I would say probably at this point in time, a handful of guys I think can probably come in and help next year. And you're not even mentioning the linebackers either. Yeah, um, Wallace Wade. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, he wanted to fight everybody on Saturday. I don't know if you saw him out there. <laughs> I did. I loved it. I kind of loved it. Yeah, he was ready. But Wallace, Wallace is. I mean, you saw flashes from him this year. I mean, he he just improved unbelievably. In you know, he was getting minimal snaps early, and then due to injuries to Square and Jones, he had to play a lot late and. You really started to see him come on. Um, obviously, had an interception, um, you know, on Saturday. But was that was that Saturday he had the interception? Yeah. Okay. Two. Yeah. He also had one in South Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. I was thinking, oh, there's another one too. But he really came on, and he's a guy with a extremely high ceiling. I mean, you could really practicing all camp after the experience he got coming in next year. Um, I mean, you could see him exploding next year and having an unbelievable year. So, yeah, I agree with you, man. And Alex Safari is a guy that we saw early and saw impact from early. That guy is going to be an absolute stud in my opinion, too. I mean, I think that's a guy that um, ended up being fairly, you know, really highly ranked and recruited and all that stuff when it was all said and done. But when we first got the commitment from him, he was a guy that kind of flew under the radar a little bit. Um but he's a guy that's going to factor in heavily. I mean, they, they're not going to be able to keep him off the field next year. He may be a corner. He may be a nickel. He may be an outside linebacker. I mean, it could be, you know, could be a lot of things. So, yeah, those they really knocked it out of the park with the freshman class and, and even going back to that class before, too. Yeah, no doubt. And there are – I mean, if you were sitting here, like, making a list of – under we'll say underclassmen as in guys who don't have an NFL decision to make. I mean, I think – Clearly, the top four guys, the two wide receivers, Barion and, and Dane, and then, uh, I mean, Dion and Wallace. And, I mean, I don't know that I think of him necessarily. I mean, Jordan Lovett was, like, spectacular. Before oh, yeah. In because of an injury. He, I think, finished, like, second or third on the team in tackles in the regular season. Had the interception the other day, but was – you know, maybe only had one bad game, I guess you would say, and as probably against Tennessee, I'm going to assume yeah. 
But I mean, who hasn't against Tennessee? I mean, everybody's struggled against those guys. I, like I expected that going to the yeah. that he would probably have a few blown assignments. Um, yeah, I, I just think there's a lot to be excited about. But it's real quick before we wrap this up. Whenever it does come to some potential NFL decisions, I mean, you had JJ Weaver who went through Senior Day. He, I guess, I, I guess he graduated. I don't know. I mean, he he just finished yeah. at UK. Um. Seems like he'll have a decision to make. I think you know he's. I think he's a good player. He's battled a lot of injuries. I don't really know what his draft stock is. And then you also have, I think, at each level of the defense. So obviously you have Weaver at linebacker, but a defensive uh, or a nose guard. Justin Rogers is a guy who seemed to have gotten better as the as the year went on. It seems like he closed really strong. Did a really good job. Uh, it seems that there's been some whispers that maybe he will look to 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 be a three and done type guy who, who does try to go to the draft this year. And then I've also heard Carrington Valentine. I think he popped up what on Mel Kuyper's. Yeah, eighth the eighth best corner in the country. Yeah, so I mean those are those are really big decisions, and I don't think he gets talked about the same way now. But it it did make me think in a way to the 2017 postseason when you when you know you had Josh Allen who could have been a draft pick. You had Mike Edwards, who could have been a draft pick. Um, those are probably the two that I'm thinking of. Uh, what I'm, The point I'm trying to make is these are guys that really shaped your defense the next season. Guys who yeah. came back to improve their stock. I just think you're getting to a point on this defense that if you do get Rodgers, Weaver, I think the argument, like, to me, there's a much better case to stay than to go for, for most of these guys. And again, for those two guys especially. Yeah. And I don't really know as much about Cal. I think Carrington had a had a good bounce back season. Um but in a in a I mean, I think when you talk about expectations for next season, as as much as we've talked about how good those young guys can be, I think you could be talking about going into next season thinking this could be the very best defense in the Stoops era. Not that there's not going to be holes to fill, because there will be, and they'll need to go out and earn it. But in terms of just the sheer amount of talent on the defense, I couldn't think of a year going in where the depth and just kind of the overall ability would be that good. No, I agree. I mean, it's there's a lot to be excited about with with next year's squad. I mean, offensively with the skill guys, but then, like you said, defensively, they've got depth on the defensive line. They've got they should have a more of a pass rushing threat with with some guys that you started to see like Wade. They love Wade. I mean, he you know you saw him saw him getting some clock at the end of the year. Especially in pass rushing situations, uh, Fearbury, another guy. The linebacker situation, the the secondary. I mean, this is saying you get those guys back. I mean, there there aren't holes you see in that defense, and you would think we'll probably add an impact guy or two from the portal just because, and then you probably will have one or two guys emerge, um, you know, just because they're getting older and you know, so. You're talking depth. You're talking experience. You're talking athleticism. I mean, yeah, that's that's a defense that you can really, really, really feel good about. And it, you can also, I mean, here's the other piece of that. If you know you have that kind of defense, to me, it allows Stoops to be a little more flexible with what he can do offensively. I mean, you can take more chances. You can, you know, take a big swing on a guy or – uh, an offensive system or style, maybe more tempo, whatever it is. Um, I don't think he has to be as conservative as he's been in the past. Um, because look, at the end of the day, we've all realized at this point, or at least I hope we have, the style, there's two, there is a two way street. So the style of play that Stoops has incorporated and has adapted as kind of the culture and and the style of who we are here, physical grinded out. You have, you win the, you win the time of possession, you limit the number of possessions and you, it, it keeps you in games against teams that probably are a little more talented than you. Um, And that's why we've seen, you know, we've been able to break through and win those games we hadn't won for a long time. Um, and kind of rise from the bottom third of the SEC to like, you know, top part of the middle part of the SEC, which is a pretty meteoric rise for Kentucky football in and of itself. But 
the missing piece now is when we when we're playing these elite teams that you've got to play to be able to win an SEC East or to be be able to um, be in these BCS bowls, things like that. We just we're just not good enough off, offensively, and that's the style of play we're playing is probably not. I don't even mean the play calling; I just mean the style is probably not going to get us there unless we play a perfect game. And that's very, very, very hard to do against anybody, especially those kinds of teams. So I think Stoops realizes, and we as a fan base kind of realize, okay, he's done an amazing job getting us. I mean, we've broken through three or four levels to get where we are. But in order to get to that top level or that next level, to be in the conversation at least every few years, um, we've got to be a little bit different offensively. We've got to do some things different offensively. The game's changed a little bit. We've got some guys on the outside right now that we, frankly, have never gotten in the past. So we got to take advantage of it. We got to strike while the iron's hot. Um, we so I think the defense to bring it full circle. The defense being what we think it can be next year can be a huge crutch for Stoops to be able to say, all right, offensively, let's let's do it. Do what we need to do because I know the defense is going to be there. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's probably a good stopping point uh, for today. I think we hit on the big things that I wanted to hit on. We'll see um, as as this week moves on what other changes might come out. Uh, other guys, I'm sure, will announce their intentions for the portal. Perhaps there's some more coaching changes. We'll see. But, uh, Kalen, I really appreciate you joining me again today to talk some U.K. football. Um, hoping to get up with Sean and, and discuss basketball at some point. I know they're kind of on a – they're slowing down a little bit as uh, I think they really don't play another good game until Michigan on next Sunday, but um, hopefully we'll get him back on here. Sean, I want to wish him well. So uh, for Derek Terry, uh, he was Kalen Harris and we'll see you next time on Kentucky daily.